The following podcast is intended for a mature audience. Listener discretion is advised. I don't think anyone has ever learned anything from not making mistakes, right? Making mistakes is how we learn. And if we can make the mistakes without the repercussions of real life and make mistakes in our games, then that's how it helps us get through things. That's how we learn. We can definitely learn real life things in a game that we make up, just like we can learn things from reading a fictional book. You know, this is what happened to these guys. Oh, we should, this is why that happened. We should do things this way instead. So if we have the opportunity to make mistakes with the worst repercussion being, uh, you know, something happens to our characters as opposed to us or our loved ones, that's valuable. That's powerful. Jay's gonna bring me back. Give me a plus one to attack. Oh, 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 I want to come back to the dice. Whoa, oh, 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 I think I need some good advice. I need a roleplay rescue. Oh, yeah. I need a roleplay rescue. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Hello Rescuers, this is a Roleplay Rescue bonus episode. Today it's an interview with my buddy Jason Hobbs and we just decided to have a little bit of a chat about how mental health and roleplaying games mix. Basically we hopped onto Zoom for about an hour, had a bit of a natter about the entire topic and thought it was actually worthwhile sharing it with you guys so i'm hoping that you will find something useful in this episode as ever i'd really like to take the opportunity to thank jason up front and also to thank all of the supporters of this show over the last several months nay years for keeping me going because as you'll probably find out and realize listening to this episode it isn't actually necessarily an easy thing to keep talking about this stuff anyway let's stop faffing about and get into the episode. Talking mental health and role-playing games with Jason Hobbs. So I'm online today with my good friend Jason Hobbs from Random Screed and Hobbs and Friends. And we're going to talk a little bit about, well, some of the struggles we've been having in relation to mental health and role-playing games. So hi, Jason. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Che. I appreciate it. So before we get started, I suppose I better say that, um, well, for me, you're like the standard bearer of being open and talking about, you know, your issues, shall we say. Um, and I've been listening to Random Screed for about, what, two years now? And uh, yeah, this is a, a weekly, probably-ish, topic, uh, talking about, you know, your vinyl couch, how's it been, what you're getting on with. Um you know, and your your struggles and wrestles with bipolar, and um, also what I've always respected is that you know this openness that you've had about that over the years. Now, having recently been through my own kind of diagnosis with generalized anxiety and social anxiety, um, I just feel like it was a good time to talk about this a little bit more openly. And I thought, who better? So, thanks for coming on. Uh- I guess that's a compliment. I'll take it as one. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I've been doing it for quite a while. And uh, I think like you mentioned previously, people seem to appreciate that honesty and openness and uh, recognition that it exists and maybe how they can deal with it with themselves or with their loved ones. Absolutely. So I've been getting quite a lot of positive comment uh, since I started my series eight of Roleplay Rescue, and we've just been—I've just been talking about it. It's been talking about how I apply some of the therapy I've been going through and bringing that into the gaming arena. Now, I think I've said to you before, I always feel like role-playing games are a bit of a two-edged sword for me when it comes to, like, you know, where I am with my mental health. Uh, how are they for you? Uh, I would totally agree. It is—it's uh, on one hand, you get a lot of anxiety for trying to perform or have something be fun or be what you want it to be. Mm. Uh, But on the other hand, it is also uh, therapeutic to be able to use games to do things that maybe you would have difficulty doing in reality. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) 
like killing orcs. Yes, um, yes. <laughs> I had to laugh actually. I was, I was reading um, John Peterson's recent book, and uh, towards the back of that, there's a he's recording this guy starting to talk about like the benefits of mental health, and what they were describing there was having a good battle, you know, sort of blowing off some steam, hacking down some orcs, and sort of you know all that kind of stuff. And I was thinking. In 2021, I think that's probably covered by the video game, isn't it? That kind of hack and slay, blow off steam thing. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, you could do it in you can do it in role playing games. I think there are certain player types that uh, mm-hmm. do that. They really enjoy just the combat and what happens, you know, mm-hmm. in a role playing tabletop role playing game. But computer games, for sure, if you really want to just go crazy, they, I think they got you covered. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, to be honest with you, I just spent this morning, um, I mean, we're recording in the afternoon here, UK time, and I just spent this morning playing a little bit of Pathfinder 2 and just trying to familiarize myself with a new game system. And that's exactly what I've been doing, actually. I had some orcs raiding my party who are escorting a wagon, that old chestnut. Um, but actually, it's a lot of fun just in a solo sense to sort of roll some dice, you know, test out the system, uh, but at the same time, just sort of blow off a little bit of steam and sort of step out of the day-to-day, I guess, and into that fantasy realm of, of hack and slay. So I guess for me, that's one of the sharp edges of the, you know, the, the sword. Um, I also, I mean, to be honest with you, I don't know what it is you get from them, but I also feel like the, the the stepping out of the real world and into a fantasy realm, that's fundamentally, you know, whether it's science fiction, fantasy, horror, whatever, but into that fantasy uh, in, a, in a broader sense is the thing that kind of helps me, that, that detachment from all the everyday te- sort of troubles and worries, you know, most especially over the last year with COVID and what have you. So uh, is that what you feel too? Yeah, so I feel like you're talking about the escapism of uh, a role-playing game and being able to put away all of the other troubles that affect you and just focus on either as a player, your character, or as a game master, you are setting and giving, you know, everything you have to immerse not only yourself, but your players in the game that you're playing. And that's a two-edged sword, like you said, Mm. as well. Even that aspect is because you, you, then you can get frustrated when it's not, coming out the way that you want and then that builds its own anxiety which i think you talk about a lot is that's the spiral that is created by it where you're trying to get to something because you feel like it can help you and then you don't get it so now it's worse oh so now what am i going to do if this is my only way to uh, medicate what i'm doing then Mm. well (laughs) what's next (laughs) so yeah for sure that's part of it i think yeah, I mean, the things I, de- I deal with um, and have the biggest problems with are all about the the preparation. Um, playing a game, uh, I have a regular Saturday night game, and I was playing uh, just a couple of days ago. And it was in the run-up to it, I recorded this little bit for the Dungeon Master's Diary, actually, uh, just before, about 15 minutes before the session, where I am like, this is going to be awful. I am totally unprepared, you know. Oh, my God, this is going to be terrible. Um you know, I feel really, really anxious about it and really, really awful. And then after session, you know, I'm sort of going, hey, that was fab. And I was talking to my wife about, you know, about it. And she was she's like, you know, what? I was, it was awesome. It, this happened and this happened and this happened, you know, and, and all of this kind <laughs> of like st- a story that had emerged from that, um, that encounter, you know, the series of encounters that they had in, in its simple dungeon that we were running. Um, yeah, and I felt completely energized by that to the point where actually it was a problem for me to try and go to sleep afterwards. I can see that. Uh, if you were to have a camera or a fly on the wall for me about 15 minutes before most of the games I run, you would just see mm-hmm. furiously clicking and doing stuff. I wouldn't have time to talk about it on a, <laughs> on a podcast because I never feel like I'm completely there. But then I almost always find it's fine. It's okay. Everything was fine. And I am Mm. my worst critic of myself. I mean, very rarely do I have players and almost all my games are streamed now. Mm. And uh, the fan base or the spectators, they really seem to enjoy it. And the players always seem to, they're always the ones, you know, saying, no, it wasn't like that at all. You know, it was fine. Mm. I don't, it's always surprising. So there, there you go again. It's like really good and really bad at the same time. So <laughs> <laughs> I've been um I've been encouraged by my therapist to sort of do some cognitive experiments which has been to sort of like try and predict what I think's going to happen if I, you know, do whatever. So for, we've been doing it with preparation. I was spending like hours 
you know, over a couple of weeks preparing for sessions that were about three hours long and getting really anxious about it to the point where I just couldn't actually turn out and do the session. Um, her first suggestion was, right, you're going to do one hour's prep and it'll be on the day and, you know, you're going to do that hour and then you're going to distract yourself for the rest of the time and not think about it. So that was a challenge. But I have to say it worked. You know, the experiment was a success you know i was predicting it will be awful i will not have anything ready it will be a complete nightmare i will you know feel i won't be able to improvise i'll be like ah, all over the place but it wasn't like that at all and in fact uh, it was a, a big success um last session she made me bring it down to 30 minutes prep um 30 minutes prep on a gurps dungeon fantasy game was intense um but actually again fine and i'm sort of I don't know, I'm, I'm learning something here that uh, I think that I spent, I spent an awful lot of my time trying to work out all the ramifications of what might happen, uh, you know, as I run up to the session and all I'm doing is winding myself up to want to bail. Yeah, I can see. First of all, I'd like to know what therapist knows a dang thing about running D&D games. How the heck can they tell you how <laughs> what they, you should be prepping for? But it seems like it's worked for you. So that's fantastic. Um, so I run on an average three games a week as well as my 40 hour a week job and podcasting and all the other things I do. So I can't take a ton of time to prep anyway, Yeah. but like that day, you know, my game's at 7 PM and I get off work at six and I'm like, Oh, did I have mm. enough? And I'm streaming them. So I'm making maps and doing all this stuff to visually enhance. Mm. So uh, prep, I found a long time ago that I stopped trying to figure out what players are going to do because you're yeah. never, ever, ever going to be prepared for that. And most of the time, all I do is create uh, situations for shenanigans. So mm. I don't try to balance really anything. I don't try to, mm. but I'm not, I mean, I'm not taking an ancient red dragon and put it against a first level group. So I, I shouldn't say there's no balance because that must be somewhere in the back of my mind. But mm. as far as uh, I guess coming back to mental health, see, was there some anxiety that it wasn't enough prep as well or did it because you realized it went so well it was a success is i guess is what i would be curious about i'm always worried it's not enough that i won't have what i need um on the other hand i was aware from the first experiment i'd kind of in my head it was like he got away with it it's fantastic um <laughs> now i mean i remember you see this is the thing i the conversation with the therapist was really interesting because this has been building up for a while. I remember going right back to when I was a teenager. We were talking right back when you started doing this hobby and it was a total joy for you, you know. Um, what did you do? And most of the time I rocked up and um, I did what you described. I would like have a bit of an opening situation. I might have had as much as a dungeon map if we were doing a dungeon game, but actually we weren't always playing dungeon games, so maybe not. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I just kind of extrapolate and do a lot of improvisation i think over the years what's happened to me is that my confidence and ability to do that has kind of weakened a weakened, a weakened. Mm -hmm. um when people ask me why and you know it's exactly what the therapist you know and i were talking through um the issues are all around actually how people have responded over time and the things that i hear in the community and the things that you know people say um you know forbidden is railroading your character you know your players through um, an adventure um i'm i'm becoming really skeptical of that term because i just think it's a linear adventure and i'm kind of thinking that has its place but you know for years it was a burden for me um i'm thinking about uh you know people saying what you should and shouldn't do there's lots of shoulds you know mm -hmm. and um in should nots and all of this you know it kind of accretes within you it kind of builds up and i just found myself ultimately paralyzed you know that my i think i've described this in in, in the show you know like actually the parameters by which i will run a game got smaller and smaller and narrower and narrower to the point where if it wasn't like a dungeon game pretty low powered pretty low level if you like if you're playing D, &D um and it wasn't kind of pretty not linear but pretty like me hands off just go do your thing i'm not gonna there's no plot here you go you go investigate and do your thing dig around the dungeon um because i was afraid of driving a plot on a story i was afraid of you know all of that kind of anything that would come from me if you like and then i'd get there and i'd feel down about the game because i wasn't having any fun um you know that's i think where we get well where i got to i think others might be getting there and that's what i kind of wanted to unpick you know how do we release ourselves 
That's it's a good question because I mean, I'm running mostly sandboxes, but the sandboxes have become very procedural with these methods that I don't have to do anything except uh, decide at the moment what's going on. Right. Yeah. Uh, like what how, reading this random table or whatever, which is in its own way, like you say, improvisation and those skills haven't waned. But uh, I've never been one big for when I was listening to your show and you were talking about that, I was considering, uh, you know, extrapolating that onto myself and considering, you know, where I start to get the most anxious about where a game has gone. And it definitely is when characters start to get higher in level and the Mm -hmm. players are ignoring maybe all of the stuff happening and they really want to just go do whatever they don't even know what it is yet and you don't know what it is either because it doesn't fit into anything that you've put out there they pretty much don't want to do any of the things that you're mentioning for whatever Mm -hmm. reason and now you get to a spot like okay well i have no idea what's going on i i have to work late today or whatever so i didn't make so i don't even do the game and then it starts to fade and then it just goes away I, i mean i've definitely experienced that in a game that i was running called lost in agata and i mean it's almost i exactly like that you know we're 15 18 sessions in and uh we took a little break to come back to the next chapter of the story and then it got into this i just said okay this is what's happening i'll just start it in media res which is obviously me controlling everything right and them not being able to anymore and then saying okay this is what's happening what do you guys want to do and i as they played a few sessions of that i could tell that they were, they felt like, I think they felt like they were being pushed in a direction that they didn't Mm. come up with on their own. And that's pretty much what the game is supposed to be that specific game. Not because not that every game does or anything like that. Um, That's what happened, I think. And I've been considering that. So your words really resonated with me as far as that went and trying Mm. to figure out what to do in that situation. Um, I can't say (laughs) I usually after one of these kinds of conversations with myself or even with you, I would like to consider, okay, well, what's the answer, but Mm. I think you're going to lead up to that. I'm hoping, are we, are we slowly leading up to that? Do you have an answer? Am I supposed to say one? Where are we at? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if there is like one single answer. I mean, obviously, you know, we're different people and any listeners out there, if anyone's like struggling with similar stuff, you know, we're all different, aren't we? We all have our our issues and uh, different things that, trouble us and bother us but i do think that there are some some directions we can prod at you know some things we can kind of poke and and see what what falls out i've as i said i've been sort of you know just trying to loosen up um the first and most important thing i think that's happened to me is just starting to talk to my players about it very openly um you know it's not just like relying on and listening to my podcast but actually i've you know said to groups right you know there's an experiment going on today and i fully experiment this is going to fall on its face um you know so we're going to run we're going to run the game at the end of the game i'm going to ask you some feedback try and you know try and be specific but also try and be off honest with me and we'll see where it goes and i try to believe the positive feedback because it it broadly is positive feedback you know um I try to believe it, I try to listen to it, and I try to build on it. Um, But that's the first step, talking to players. Yeah, I agree with you. It's always communication, it seems like, comes down to the answer Mm. to almost everything, be it, you know, friendships, gaming at the table, uh, with your spouse or your loved ones or anything. Mm. Uh, It always starts with communication. You still have to figure it out, but talking Mm. to people will certainly help. Uh, mend anything or build anything that you're trying to to create so mm-hmm. i totally i would totally agree with that uh, and that's a good point not expecting them to listen to your podcast <laughs> but god damn it listen to my podcast <laughs> yeah i always feel that way too i guess the second thing for me was actually starting to understand that i'm not a performer um you know i think for the longest time i've i've felt like the expectation is gm you know i am primarily a gm you're a performer and i guess it must be very much like that for you especially when you're streaming on twitch my goodness sake um yeah i could never face that but <laughs> well you'd be uh, surprised i think i think you'd be surprised most of the time i try to just forget that i'm streaming there mm-hmm. are times like outside of game where you know i don't personally i don't even really watch actual plays too much I play in some with Kevin Madison at Dungeon Musers, and then I run all of mine at the Gamerhood. Uh, but I just try to do it like I would anywhere, like just let loose and don't feel like anyone is watching you and really, really 
focus on what's happening. So I forget about, I try to forget about that, even though I'm obviously having to do the mechanical things that keep the game going and the stream going behind the scenes. Yeah. Uh, but man, I forgot the question. <laughs> well, I, I was just talking about how, you know, we're maybe we're not performers. Oh, right. Um, right. So that's true. I mean, I don't believe that that's what our job is. I don't believe as a game master, we're here to, you know, make everyone have fun because no mm. one can make anyone have fun. That's really up to people and their reactions to whatever, whatever the impetus is. We can try, we can create the best situations for those shenanigans that we can. And hopefully, hopefully it is fun. But uh, as far as performance goes, I always want to have better funny voices, mm. uh, more compelling stories emerge from what's happening. But like you say, I don't, I don't think we can consider it performing in that way. I think it's just us doing, trying to do our work. I, I mean, I've played with a lot of GMs who I love reading their stuff when they talk mm. about it. And after the sessions, the experiences were really good, but they may be completely monotone and not really, I don't even know, audacious about what they're doing or mm. not big, you know, scene chewers <laughs> or anything like that. And I have to say during the game, it's not as much fun for me as a player. I really kind of do like it. If, if the mm. guy just lets loose, you know, just let loose. <laughs> GMs really control the tone of the game. The mm. players are going to do what the GM does. If the GM is very monotone and it's more of like, we're playing a board game and we're moving through this, these procedures. And at mm. the end, there'll be a great story. And I, and that happens in those games. Uh, but at the time it's like uh, going to the session is not as much, I'm not as excited about it. I'm more excited about it being over than I am about the actual journey, which <laughs> doesn't necessarily <laughs> sound right, but I mean, I'm just being honest. Um, but I, like you say, I think we are performing, but we all are. The players are, the GM mm. is, it's not like we have a, an onus to be a great performer because with you can still have a great game without someone doing funny voices or whatever i guess is what i was trying to get to mm, yeah just something to you it occurs to me that and i've never really sort of thought about this that you know sort of directly but the the performance is happening in our heads in our imagination right but all our characters are doing what all these creatures and npcs and whatever are doing in the action of the game for each player at the table most of it you know, even if you're using like maps and digital tokens and all that kind of stuff, most of what's going on is going on in the heads of the people there. And there was this kind of magical thing where we're all imagining sort of the same scene, mm -hmm. even though we all know if you think about it, it can't possibly be the same scene um, unless there's telepathy. Um, but yeah, I, it's happening in our heads and a degree to which, you know, we have to be performing that outside and and the degree to which we kind of allow that to happen in our minds obviously is something that each group has to kind of work out i'm fascinated by this because this is the thing for me where it's the great release it's the the sharp edge of the blade for me is that you know unlocking my creative energy and, and imagination and enjoying that scene and being able to describe the scene and enter into that scene and have that interaction with with the players through their characters um so in one sense yeah i think Actually, I'm wrong. We are performing, but it's in our head, not on stage necessarily. Yeah, I, yeah. I think as a GM for sure, and even as a player, really, right? When uh, I mean, really great players, they enhance the vision. Mm. Sometimes I wonder: is the collaborative story that we're creating is it an effort to use a system to communicate the same vision? And the mm. closer we all get to the same vision, the more immersed we are. And the better it is and the better we all feel and the better the output, the end end session is. I, I don't really know because it's almost going to be impossible, but I feel like the most uh, vivid details that people give that do kind of coalesce this image, then the more immersed or the more into it or the more engaged I am. And I think the player, the other players are and the GM. Because hmm. when we talk about what what makes a good player, I think it's one of those things where even if they don't do a funny voice for their character or whatever, the more engaged they are, the more everyone, because you're going to get what you put in, right? That's what you're going to get out. And if everyone's putting in the most to try and co I don't know if that's even accurate to coalesce the same image. So everyone feels like mm. they're in the same place at the same time, doing the same thing that yeah. it's better. You know, does that make a better game? Do I feel better about it uh, mentally? I would say I have a lot less 
questions about how a game went when I am super excited about it afterwards. But if I have mm-hmm. all these questions like, uh, did this really fall flat? Is this really what was expected? Because expectations mm-hmm. is is the number one uh, leader of disappointment, <laughs> right? Whatever your expectation is, yeah. if you don't have expectations, you can't be disappointed. So <laughs> that's what mm-hmm. I try to believe. And some of the stuff I say on my show or on your show or anyone's show doesn't mean I live it the best. If I did, I wouldn't have the problems I have, right? All I'm trying yeah. to do is explain what I think would make it better. And uh, mm. so less expectations would help. And if you can communicate, this is communicating still when we're trying to coalesce this vision together. Um, and I get so excited about things. I forgot what we were, what the main thrust of what, if you were asking me a question or if you were just passing it on to me to talk crazy. <laughs> I don't think it matters too much. We're conversing. It's good. All right. Look, I think where, um, what's interesting is like you're talking about expectation. You know, for me, um, recently I've been thinking about the limits of what I can do as a GM or what I would do if I'm a player as well. You know, when I turn up to a game, you know, if I'm going to turn up to my mate Derek, he's going to run some talk for us on, on Friday night, right? So um, if I turn up, then I've got to bring my character sheet. I've got to know my character. And it would be really helpful if I knew vaguely how the game played, you know. So trying to turn up and sort of knowing I know the basic mechanisms of play, if, you know, and what's expected of, you know, what dice get rolled or whatever. That for me is kind of like turn up and then my expectation is right i'm gonna i'm gonna play this character and you know take part in whatever situation the gm throws at me as a gm you know i'm preparing so i said like maybe i'll take that hour and i sit and i prepare some possible scenes that could come up some stuff you know there's a this is a situation at the beginning here are some possible things that might turn up like you said i might dig out some random tables i like them too um you know i have some things prepared in that in that respect and then i kind of step i'm trying increasingly just to step back and go right now actually other than what i say and do on the night and when i choose to roll dice nothing else is in my control in terms of the emergent gameplay the story and whether the guys have a good time and i'm finding that that lowering that expectation from i am responsible for their their good time to no i'm responsible for providing a series of cool things um you know and then adjudicating the game um you know improvising describing um essentially that's what it breaks down to that's easier for me and it is becoming more manageable for me in the last few weeks to the point where i'm finding myself wanting to play more run more and we're seriously starting to talk about you know trying different games again yeah that's that's great i think you i think you're on the track i've felt better about most things probably in the last few months i mean the number one thing is is when you're trying to accomplish something the number one thing you have to do is just do it right Mm. that's that's what i've always i used to ask people like hey how did you get that published or how did you finish that it seems like such a big thing Mm. and the answer is always the same the first thing you have to do is you have to actually do it you can Mm. think about it you can theorize it complain uh, agonize do all the things about everything but it's never going to get done unless you do it and i've found that even though i don't necessarily know how to do it once you start then you'll understand what the questions are that you need answers to but until you start doing it you'll you don't have that so just just do it (laughs) that's what i'm trying to say i guess (laughs) <laughs> yeah i i've recently rediscovered the power of um just sitting down i mean i think the first thing is you sort of you turn up you sit down you know um whether it's writing whether it's uh you know podcasting whether it's um you know running the game prepping the game whatever it is actually turning up that matters most you know and i'm with you on that you know like if i'm when i was um in the depths of, of anxiety back in november december you know i stopped podcasting for a couple of weeks or three four weeks and actually that was worse for me i think turning up and trying to say something um that's that's the first step what am i going to say um so maybe it helps to write it out you know i Mm -hmm. I taught myself a little script and i can use that also notes and i can use that and it's the same with gaming i guess it's like it helps to sit down and make a few notes it's going to think about right what what kind of things am i trying to do what am i trying to achieve but at a moment the hardest thing of all is to show in front of, as it is digitally at the moment, show in front of a camera with those players and begin to play. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And I think you're right. You just got to sort of, there's an element of, this is Shandy Andy's advice, isn't it? Just do it. <laughs> is it? <laughs> He's yeah. right. I agree with him completely. So my therapist told me that I have an advantage mm-hmm. over my mental disorders that a lot of people don't have um, because communicating is, is important and talking is important, but not everyone has someone they can talk to. Uh, but I have, you know, hundreds of people that I can talk to when I do random mm-hmm. screed where I can go through and talk it out. And, uh, and then maybe by verbalizing, then having a better understanding of what's happening. And mm-hmm. so that would help me work through the things because uh, depression lies, right? But you can see through lies when you communicate or talk through it, just like any other time when you're trying to detect uh, lies or untruths, even if they're your own, by talking and working through each step out loud, of course, speaking out loud or writing it down, if that's what helps you, is going to help. And I think in some ways, gaming forces us to do that because we do have an obligation. We have an unwritten contract with our friends, so it's going to make us do it, right? Mm Because we don't want to let them down. We don't want to let ourselves down. It's always easier to let yourself down when you're in anxiety. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's worse for you, but it's easier. Uh, But when you have these other obligations that you've written down, like for me to say, okay, I'm streaming. I got to get that stream out there or I'm not going to accomplish the goals I'm after. So it's one more reason for me to help push myself to actually do it because it's one thing to say, do it, but it's another thing to fight through the resistance that we create Mm. against ourselves that stops us from doing things. And so we have to have the tools we need in order to break away those walls of resistance that we put in between ourselves and success, whatever that success looks like. You speaketh truth. Um, for me, uh, yeah, I mean, recently just talking to, you know, the Roleplay Rescue Discord is great for me because I get to type, but and occasionally we get on there and just have a chat as well, you know, like a, an evening or whatever. But to talk through, you know, yeah, I'm struggling with this issue. Um, yesterday, I think it was, or day before yesterday, I was ranting off about you know, frustrations I was having with the game system I was using and I can't find what I want. And then suddenly, you know, three or four guys kind of pile in with, hey, there's a link to this and here's a link to this and here's a link to this. And you start to like, oh, okay. Well, maybe I'm just talking rubbish. Um, Like you said, (laughs) depression lies, right? So you you start to expose the the things. You know, later on in the day when I was actually in the session, one of the players at the end of it said, you know, I know earlier you were talking about how GURPS doesn't have monsters, but there are four GURPS monster manuals, Jay. You know, go pick up one of those. (laughs) Um, (laughs) It's that I had forgotten that. And I needed the reminder. And I think this is the thing, isn't it? That you kind of need, you know, you you can busy yourself in your brain to the point where you just can't can't see actually all of the things that are there to help and all of the resources that are around you. And that's starting with the people. Um, You actually like in your, so far in your own head that you just, you're blind. Yeah, it blocks it blocks the the cognizant thought that you would normally have. Mm. Um, I totally agree with that, and it's good to have people respond to. And like you say, uh, Discord. I need to spend more time at your Discord. I just sometimes I'm trying to do so many things that I get lost. You get your own, <laughs> and then I do nothing. Right? That's another spiral that happens got- analysis paralysis or whatever. But so you got you got your own gamerhood there. So you know. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's true. Busy, busy, busy. Um, yeah. But this is all good. I mean. It's funny. I I, I find um, that, in a way, um, it's the isolation that's worse than anything. It's that when I switch myself off and I pull myself away, and yet, the two-edged sword, when I engage in social media, when I engage in the community, I come with it anxious. Yeah, well, I mean, that's like we said. I mean, when you're removing your opportunity to communicate with your tribe, that's going to what do you ha- what do you have left just just yourself and um for me if i'm like in the throes of depression or whatever uh, i'm my own worst enemy most of the time mm. until you learn how to deal uh ways to get through it and i've never been able to solo play like you or my buddy arlen do i've always kind of uh admired that capability because i'm like if i'm going to put this much time and i'm going to get some other people and just actually play a game but it is playing a game to you guys i'm not trying to say it's bad or wrong fun i'm just talking about my own perceptions towards it and inability yeah. to do it i i couldn't even do choose your own adventures very well <laughs> I, 
I mean, it's weird, Solo, because um, I find... At the moment, I've been quite blocked with it. And like I said, mm. the last couple of days, I've just been sort of finding my way back. And I've picked up Pathfinder 2nd Edition. Um, and I think what it is, is this is... There's, I have at least two different modes of play going on. So I've got, on the one hand, I've got this kind of desire for a pretty serious, immersive, deep, you know, uh, perhaps um, very creative. I, I want to be creative. I want to try and do push the boundaries of, of things and not just be kind of cliche, you know. Um, want to want to have interesting characters. Want to go explore interesting places. And that's that on the one hand. On the other hand, sometimes I just want to pick up some dice and bash some orcs and mm. do something very cliche. And that's for me is where solo tends to go. That I, uh, you know, it's it's about you know kind of a bit of a romp and in just allowing my brain to sort of let off steam. Um, and another friend of mine who also struggles with his own um, sort of depression um, was talking to me the other day, typing anyway um, about he'd seen this pattern in me and was saying, you know, you just got to decide what you want, you know, from your games as well. So, you know, do you, is it actually okay for you to go off and run a bit of a one-off game or a short run game or even have an ongoing campaign that is very, very upfront. This is a lot, you know, kind of beer and pretzels. This is just a bit of a laugh blowing off steam mode. And at the same time, you could have another campaign that's completely in a different mode of play. Um, and I, you know, I, I don't know. Up to a few weeks ago, I'd have been too scared to split, you know. But I'm starting to feel like maybe that is an important thing to think about. I think it is an important. It's always important to think about, you know, things and possibilities of ways to get what helps you the most out of your games. Mm. But I don't. I don't think it's necessarily impossible to switch between those modes in a single campaign. Mm. Um, there may. Maybe. I mean, it is harder because you're talking about really pushing different buttons with the same characters and one way, you know, maybe it's more optimization or whatever. Otherwise, they're going to get killed during the beer and pretzels or killing, but (laughs) uh, and then not be able to tell the stories. Uh, But this kind of reminds me of the last conversation we had about the show when we were talking about beer and pretzels games are okay, but that's not what really what we're about. We're more serious. Mm. It almost feels like retracting that a little bit and saying how important both styles really are. Not only just letting it be okay for letting people play however they want to play, mm. but also getting, being able to get both aspects out of the game because I certainly feel like sometimes I'm not capable of that deep immersion as a player or as a GM, as a player, it's pretty easy though. You can just kind of wallflower it or sit on the side or draw a map Mm. while you're playing or whatever. But as a GM, like I say, you're setting that tone and the expectations that exist from your players, unless you are upfront with them and say, Hey, this time what we're doing is taking your characters into this imaginary, uh, you know, other alternate, plane of existence or or timeline or whatever and they're just fighting this big battle or whatever and nothing really happens you'll get the xp but whatever like a war story kind of idea yeah but having multiple campaigns isn't bad i have multiple campaigns they usually tend to morph themselves around the players more than Hmm. what i'm trying to get out of the game i just kind of morph that's one of the things i think is uh one of my qualities, I guess, is that I kind of run a game that fits the players. Not completely. I mean, it's not wide open because I'm certainly going to keep to a lot of the old school tendencies that I'm used to or prefer, but it's, it does morph around the players. And if they are like, let's just blow off some steam or, but if they're like, oh, I want a plot hack, I want to do have all these intricate political or whatever motivations and try and figure them out, then we'll do that. Uh, once again, I think I've ran down a rabbit hole. I've petered out. Help me out, Jay. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. I watched an absolutely terrible film on um, on Amazon Prime the other day. It's called Zero Charisma. Uh, I think it's free on Amazon Prime. Zero Charisma. And it's about a GM. Um, and it's about a group of players. And this GM is, well, frankly, he's a bit of an asshole. Mm-hmm. Um, but he is way too serious about his game. And he is also trying to control everything about the game. Um, and I hated the film because I think I just kind of saw far too much of myself in this character. Um, 
And, you know, he's got some friends around him he's been playing with for years, and they're all kind of like about our age or something, maybe slightly younger, but... And they've kind of been playing for years in this campaign. He's been running. Uh, you get the feeling they've been playing it for months, or the sense that you've been playing for months and months and months with these characters, you know. And he's. what They have a new player. The story is they have a new player. And Hysteria is a bit of a hipster. And his attitude is you know, he's coming in and he starts telling jokes at the table and having fun and sort of doing funny voices and having kind of actual interactions with the GM where. The characters are challenges NPCs in a way he doesn't want to. Um, there's a brilliant scene where one of the NPCs t- sort of like is challenging this guy, you know, to a bit of a duel, and um, this new player just goes, "Nah, I just cut his head off." Um, and the GM's like, "You can't do that. That's not the plot. That's not the story. That's not what mm-hmm. what we're going to do. You can't do that." Um, and I'm, I don't know, zero charisma. I just thought, you know. I was sitting there thinking to myself, am I just too damn serious with my gaming? That was kind of my point. And always through this film, there's this message of, but it's just a game. It's just a game. It's just a g-. And I'm like, it's never just a game. God damn it. <laughs> um, I don't know how you respond to that kind of thought, but, you know, I know there are a lot of people who turn up to the table and they just want to blow off steam. And I think that's fine. But I'm not that guy most of the time. Mm-hmm. I guess what I'm trying to say is, um, do I need to rediscover that? <laughs> well, go listen to us because we talked a lot about it mm. <laughs> last time. <laughs> I'm going to watch this show. I have not heard of Zero Charisma. I think the thesis is nerds and geeks are annoying. They hate um, each other. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know, um, but I don't think that the whoever wrote it had a good experience of playing D and D. Let's put it that way. Mm. Um. Where am I going to with this? Well, you know, I was just kind of sitting there and thinking, you know, these are the standards. These are the messages we get in the society around us as well. You know, I, you know, I'm constantly reminded by colleagues at work and people who aren't gamers about how nerdy and geeky I am. When I come to the session and I'm bringing that baggage and I kind of feel like I'm inadequate and can't kind of pull a game out and do a game as well, I kind of sometimes sit there wondering, why am I doing this? <laughs> and then I look at the X thousand pounds worth of books that I have and think, oh, better double down and do it, I suppose. How do you deal <laughs> with that? Um, I like to think that I don't care what other people think. And I, I, one of my sayings is water on a duck's back. That's what uh, people's thoughts are to me. It's not totally true though. Like this is just another example of me saying something or trying to hold to something that I don't necessarily do a great job of. Like I'm streaming hours and hours of games every week, but I don't put them to my regular Facebook right? Why not? Mm. Because the thousand people that are there that I know professionally or my peers that I used to paintball with or all these other things, maybe I still feel uncomfortable with what I'm doing, which is terrible, really. Why the amount of hours and time that I spend on it. And even if the only 10% of those people are interested, that's like another hundred people that it might enjoy that or people to share it with. Mm. So I've tried to change that. I realized more recently that that's a thing. Um, I play because I I love it, mm. right? I think that I am a much better person through role-playing games and the things that I have learned and that effort of trying to constantly communicate helps me with uh, writing. It helps me with public speaking. It helps me in so many ways that I wouldn't be even, I'm not that happy with who I am anyway, and I'm always trying to get better, but I wouldn't be even where I am today without it. And so I really like to push that off and consider it just another form of resistance that's Mm. trying to keep me away from what actually is going to help me succeed. So just do it again. I'm thinking I'm I'm right. Mm. That's what I, I, sometimes I have to force myself, but I realize just like going to work, sometimes I have trouble getting out of bed. Um, But I know that if I don't, what the repercussions are, playing a game is obviously not the same as the repercussions of not going to work. Uh, so my buddy, James Malashevsky once asked me, why would a person who has bipolar disorder and anxiety ever take a sales job? It's like <laughs> the opposite of what you should be doing. Right. Cause I mean, I'm not all introverted. I think I'm right in the middle, sometimes extroverted, sometimes introverted. Hmm. Uh, but I felt like going to do that job, every day and meeting new people was way more fulfilling than programming for me. 
and it really has helped force me to do it. It's one more way to knock down those walls of resistance. If I have, I mean, I have to do it. Uh, either I'm not going to have a job. I'm not going to have a family. I'm not going to be able to play games, you know, mm. no, no customers, no nothing. That's <laughs> so that's, I think that's how I do it. It's like, it's just one of those things I have to do it. I know that it's the best thing for me. And even though all, my mind is lying to me all the time and trying to show me reasons that I shouldn't, I have to fight through that and make sure I'm very rarely a decision-making person. More often than not, I'm very undecided about everything. And even when I make a decision, I'll go back on it sometimes and think about it continually if it was the right decision. Uh, but this is one thing I can know is okay. Do 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 gaming it's good for you it helped it helped create all the outlets that i have that make me feel like being able to survive another day really uh podcasting all those things have stemmed from my love of gaming so hmm. if some people are telling me certain things you just have to let those go and know that it's just another form of resistance that you have to get rid of my wife tells me that she says every time you game you always come back buzzing you know you love it you know, even mm -hmm. when it's been a bad session, mm -hmm. you'll be happier than when you don't play. Yeah. Um, and I keep have to remind myself of that, you know, that I'm going to feel good at the end of this, no matter what, actually, because whatever kind of game we run, actually, it's invariably a lot of fun to hang out with those guys who have, you know, I've got various different groups of guys who kind of you know, do game. Um, and it's always good. Always. Yeah, even if there's aspects of it that you wish could have been different or whatever, you still had that opportunity to create that social uh, communication with people, mostly, most likely people in your tribe, even if you didn't know them. Mm. And uh, I, I agree. It's even when it isn't a good session, it always makes me think of things I could have done uh, differently, grow and learn, uh, which are, you know, priceless. I was just thinking about when I have to get out of bed to go, you know, I'm a teacher, right? So I have to get out of bed and go to work. Um, routine helps. So one of the things I'm starting to wonder is whether with my gaming, setting up different routines, you know, perhaps even a bit, a bit tighter routines might actually be helpful. Uh, I'm thinking about in preparation, but also, you know, run up and getting me to the table, but actually when at the table, just having those processes. And you talked earlier about how you have your know, procedures when you game, procedural kind of stuff going on with tables or whatever. Um, <laughs> and I found that the games where I felt safest and I felt like I was most in control were often the older games. You know, when I played BX, uh, well, Old School Essentials, really, and there was that turn procedure. You know, you've got the 10-minute turns and there's a procedure and every two turns I'm rolling to see if there's a monster and you know, did, 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 mm -hmm. this thing going on. I actually felt very much better about that because there was this kind of sense of this is what I've got to do next. What do I do? Oh, yeah, I do that. I roll this dice or I'm going to ask them, you know, I'm going to describe the scene and I'm going to ask them what they do and I'm going to respond. This process is really, really helpful. And it puts me into the moment as well. It's kind of the other thing that occurred to me that when I'm gaming, I'm in the moment, I'm present, you know, I'm there. And that's when the worries wash away. When I have time to really sit and analyze it is when I then go, you know, bananas with the, what if what if what if what if mm -hmm. how do you feel about that i mean do you feel like when you go into the zone when you're using your kind of processes that actually the you know everything else can fall away yep i i think that that's accurate uh i also think that that's a way of controlling the chaos mm. which kind of might be a throwback to what you're talking about before with the idea of narrowing things down so far so the openness of it isn't mm. you know too much and stop you from immersing yourself or being present because you have so many mm. options and anything could happen. So that will increase anxiety when you're running the game of what players can do. Mm. Um, <laughs> when you talk about processes with OSE or BX, it always reminds me of the round thing and yeah. how everything starts with an M and it's like a big joke on my channel. When I, people are <laughs> like, what's, what phase is next? And I'm always like, it's the four M's. How can, how can you not keep this, <laughs> keep this in order? <laughs> <laughs> it's so easy mmmm <laughs> anyway um uh, i do do that like in certain games because i have a few different games that run differently and there are i always have this interest and passion of learning 
other games that are less, uh, I mean, when I say less, if I shift into, if you want to call them story games or indie games mm-hmm. that are less procedural uh, in the way that you normally consider like an OSE or a mm-hmm. D&D game. But it's not totally true because even like Powered by the Apocalypse, it still has some pretty strong procedures in it and tells you what to do. Like you don't have to do anything. The narrative of the players tells you what to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, so a lot of games maybe really, really do do that. And um, for me, I'm pretty unorganized. And to think that I play a game almost every single day, I don't run <laughs> them all, but to keep them all in track and I, I must be organized in some way. Um, sometimes it gets overwhelming and I feel like I need a break. Uh, but I think you're right. There is, there is some safety in structure. Um, mm. I, that was the biggest thing. Like my wife is my, uh, my Yang or whatever to my <laughs> chaos, barely controlled chaos because she is very structured and stable. And uh, that's important. I don't necessarily have, I'm learning to be better at it because otherwise I wouldn't be able to survive probably if I wouldn't because it's a bad path to never be structured right. You can't always live by your seat of your pants. Eventually, no matter how charismatic or lucky or good talker or whatever, you're going to get into trouble that you can't get out of if you're constantly mm. making decisions that only seem good at the time and never considering them beyond. But uh, as far as gaming structure goes, I pretty much run two games right now, uh, OSE and Low Fantasy Gaming. And both of them are pretty structured. I wouldn't say they're as as structured as like a 3.5 or Pathfinder or Mm. fourth edition, Um, but they are pretty structured. And I think there is some solace in that Mm. during the game. Like, you know, maybe you didn't have some, and they're going in places that you didn't expect them to. So there's things okay, now I know it's a new hack. So now I roll this and this Mm. tells me this. And then I have these four things that I can use to create whatever improvisation I need to do at the time. And that's nice to have. Those are good fallback things. When you have nothing, that's when gets crazy. I don't know if I'm supposed (laughs) to say that on your show, but, and, and creates anxiety at the table, which is what I'm trying to steer away from. So I feel like those structures are important and are quite helpful. Uh, On the other hand, I would like to grow and learn and be able to do more uh, wide open things and learn games. The more I do it though, the more I find that almost all of them have these structures that you can fall back mm. on. Maybe that's one thing that is good about role-playing games that they, they sort of, you know, draw us into a process in which we can tell stories. Um, it isn't actually just sitting around the campfire kind of batting around, you know, um, whatever narrative is, is structured you know the the mm-hmm. role of the dice to answer the question of you know do you succeed do you fail that's the most basic kind of step i suppose but we have the, there is the, just the basic conversational procedure this is the situation i describe what do you want to do you tell me and describe what you want to do back there may be a resolution in there or i just respond to that and i describe what happens and i ask you what you want you know that that ongoing conversational structure it is entirely role-playing games are entirely structured um, around this interaction and maybe that compi- combined with the fact that this is social thing and this these different people that you're interacting with maybe that is what is the really shiny bright part of it for us that yeah helps us to sort of it's imagine it's one of them for sure because <clears throat> think about it life is chaotic mm. you have you try to create reasons to understand what happens in real life be they faith or spirituality or um, whatever it is, you're trying to exert control over the uncontrollable in many ways. Whereas mm-hmm. when you are playing in a role-playing game, you are getting uh, escapism. You're gaining control over ways to solve problems you can't solve in real life, yeah. right? You can, you can answer the questions in a role-playing mm-hmm. game. That's one of the reasons I like the GM is because these endless mm-hmm. questions that I have about life I can answer them here. This is why. And sometimes <laughs> the players come up with a better reason. I'm like, Oh no, maybe that's why, you know, <laughs> yeah. but those are powerful, powerful ways of dealing with uh, problems, anxiety or whatever it is, is this controlled structure that we have and can create answers that we never could or reasons why. So that's, that's really, that's really interesting to me. Yeah. I was just reflecting actually that, I mean, role playing in itself as a as a 
you know, it has its roots in therapy. It has its roots in psychodrama. You know, it has its roots in in therapy in in terms of like uh, helping people to relive or or reenact scenes, you know, moments or situations that they've been in, and then sort of try and find ways, better ways of reacting to those things or learning skills to you know deal with that whatever that situation is whether it's you know someone's in my face and shouting at me how do i deal with that well we can role play that you know it, you know therapy sense and you know we can get into interaction and practice those skills for me role playing games did that like by the back door i you know as a kid i remember like i was very very anxious about those kinds of you know the bully behaviors from people around me at school for example i knew that when my dwarven warrior got into a bit of an altercation with with whatever npc and we were role playing out that that argument that i was suddenly learning how to to argue you know Mm -hmm. and to sort of come back or or even how to not argue to like you know remain sort of steadfast but because it was happening in our heads and it wasn't the real world it was safer Mm -hmm. it's what it's always drawn me back to this i think is that i get to kind of try living in a in a different way each time you know, try on a different hat as it were <laughs> right no to the table. exactly i don't think anyone has ever learned anything from not making mistakes right mm. making mistakes is how we learn and if we can make the mistakes without the repercussions of real life and make mistakes in our games mm. then that's how it helps us get through things that's how we learn we can definitely learn real life things in a game that we make up just like we can learn things from reading a fictional book you know this is what happened to these guys oh we should this is why that happened we should do things this way instead so if we have the opportunity to make mistakes with the worst repercussion being uh you know something happens to our characters as opposed to us or our loved ones that's valuable that's powerful and i think you're right and so there's see there's another reason why it is a it's such a powerful quote-unquote hobby (laughs) and why it would help us get through the situations we get through if we're like like i used to have anger issues as well um and until you realize what helps you you know get rid of those problems or fight through them and to be more stable in personality in everything uh you're going to be better off. And if you can see what those happens in those in a fantasy world or a imaginary world, then they can certainly have the opportunity to help you in uh, uh, the real world. I'm conscious of time. And I was kind of wondering how can we pull our strands together and kind of sum it up? Um, well, I think we kind of did in some ways just recently, right? We talk about why gaming is good for us while it does why is it bad for us i'll start there because that's maybe easier Mm. it's bad because it can add anxiety for the expectations that we're hoping to create and then those can cause downward spirals and uh expound on our own uh resistance and our own lies that depression can create Uh, Mm. but the good aspects of role playing and how they can help us get through our mental health issues are exponential and many. First of all, escapism to get away from our problems without thinking of them. Even better is to work through our problems in this imaginary world without the repercussions of what would happen if we did these things in reality. And then third is getting our social um, social feelings from the other people engaging engaging with them. Do you do you have any more? Yeah, I'm kind of thinking as well about. Um the commitment we make to other people and then turning up and being with other people, the communication, the opportunity to sort of you know, talk to others and listen to them, to be honest with a group of people who are your tribe, um, who get you, not perhaps because they share your job or your lifestyle or whatever, but because we share this this, this joint game thing. I think that's valuable. Um, I think getting help with some practical issues around gaming can teach you the skills you need to then go and ask for help in other aspects of your life um Mm -hmm. for example going and asking for a bit of support and prepping for a game it gives me a bit of confidence maybe to go and ask my boss for a bit of help when i'm struggling with something to do with work you know um the biggest mistake i think that uh, the anxious person makes i mean this is what i've learned is that we don't take action we worry instead we we're zipping around in our heads at 300 miles an hour and not acting um 
role-playing games allow us to practice taking actions don't they yeah you know i'm in this situation what do you do is the question not what do you think what do you feel mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. what do you do yeah, um, that's pretty good and i think maybe that's the thing just try and remember is you know like uh take it from the table back into life you know okay this is the situation what do you do it is what it is right it, accept what it is <laughs> harvest the good forget mm. the rest <laughs> i'm like dropping all my favorite lines to you in your <laughs> well oh, jason yeah, thank great. you i just think it's been you know it's been actually quite profitable for me um and i'm hoping for you too oh yeah uh, and maybe and maybe for someone out there because that's why we both do this isn't it what you know the one person we're helping is ourselves mm-hmm. um but we're also anyone else hoping, is a bonus yeah um but we're hoping that you know that talking about this stuff is gonna be helpful to someone else out there and, and maybe join in the conversation yeah thank you so much for having me i appreciate it uh keep on rescuing rescuers i'll certainly try I hope you enjoyed this episode of Roleplay Rescue. Thanks once again to my guest, Jason Hobbs, for coming on the show and chatting to me about this topic. Thank you, Jason. And don't forget to check out his shows too, Hobbs and Friends, plus, of course, the big inspiration for me, Random Screed. On that note, I'm going to sign off. Don't forget, because we are an Anchor podcast, you can drop me a voice message if you have any comments or questions. Your contributions really do make this a better podcast. And also, if you've enjoyed listening, please consider sharing the episode on social media. I'm Che Webster. This is a Roleplay Rescue bonus episode. I'll see you again soon. Game on.